breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, your host Fino alongside 701 Eastern Time. Hey, it's summer, our first summer show of The Pack officially. And we got a great show for you uh, here from the basement of Holden Hall, Michigan State University, uh, East Holden, should we should say, here on 88.9 FM WDBM. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And we have a big show uh, planned, talking World Cup action in the United States. What a great game that was. 2-2 thriller. Portugal drawing the game very late. United States has to settle for one point in a very big game against Germany. It's disgraceful or whatever... Whatever adjective you want to use there, it's pretty upsetting. But then we we have a special feature that we're going to kind of talk about at the top of the show, really taking us all the way through our first half hour here on The Pact. We're talking about the new short film, The Cager, um, really directed and written, I believe, by our Keenan Wetzel, Michigan State basketball player, who actually still has one year of eligibility left. I just want to get that out there. Um, our favorite walk-on, um, not uh, Mr. Chapman. We're going to say Keenan Wetzel here on The Pact. Uh, and then another special guest with us, producer and a fellow Michigan State student that uh, got some help from Keenan, uh, Nick Sterhersky. Um, a big play here on the short um, film, The uh, the Cager, which is a 25-minute 20, film, guys? Yeah, about 20, 23 minutes, something okay. around there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, a big marquee name who is an actor based in Los Angeles featured already in Tosh.0. Um Delvon Rowe, Michigan State basketball player who, you know, as we know, battled some injuries here as well. So he will be featured and looks like a show that was modeled, I would say, or a movie modeled by his basketball player and what life is after basketball. So some good stuff. But with that being said, I uh, always like to welcome my two great panelists here on The Pact after such lengthy introduction, Faith Groglecki. Faith, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Yeah, it feels good. Big show planned. I'm excited. I'm very for, excited. Yeah, it's warm. You know, the rain has stopped finally. I hate the rain. I love the rain. Ah, stop it. It's, <laughs> but it's better than the snow. Already starting the debate here. Yeah, we are. We're embracing the Spartan <laughs> debate as usual. And we welcome, that's the voice of our own Austin Goodman. He's back here. No flat tire. No statistics exam. He's here with us spending his Monday nights in the basement of Holden. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be back here, honestly, guys. I really do feel terrible that I haven't been down here in the basement of Holden Hall every Monday. But, you know, I'm back and I'm ready to talk. I got some questions for you two over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we're excited. Yeah, welcome back. And the guy behind the glass that makes it all happen, our own Jonathan Yales, who actually went to the same high school as Keenan Wetzel. So I'm throwing that out there. Johnny, good to have you here. Good to be back. Good to be back. A lot of discuss. I know we'll debate about the U.S. soccer uh, World Cup action. There's a lot to talk about, but... Without further ado, I bring in Keenan Wetzel and Nick Sterhersky, two main players, the director and producer of this film, The Cager, hopefully to make this film happen. They have a deadline, I think, Nick, of what, uh, July 11th to reach your fundraising goal, which is... Oh yeah, we're we're shooting for twenty five thousand dollars actually in total, um, including post production. It's gonna be thirty thousand dollars, and the Kickstarter has been up for about uh, ten days, just over ten days here, and we have until July eleventh. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Kickstarter is basically, if you're not familiar with it, it's a creative platforming for fundraising to bring projects to life. And how it works essentially is you set out a pledge amount that you want, which we have twenty five thousand dollars, and if you don't meet that goal. All of your money that has been donated is returned to the donors. Also, a risk-free ordeal. Yeah. So essentially, if we don't meet our goal, if we're a dollar short, which at that point I, I think one of us will just throw it in. Right. But, you know, even if you are a dollar short, all the money on Kickstarter is returned to the donor. So it's a it's a big deadline coming up here, July 11th. I'm going to pass this over to Keenan for him to introduce and kind of talk more about the film, a little bit of synopsis and uh, Delvon Rowe, etc. Sure. Well, as Nick said, we have a we have a firm deadline, and uh, you know, right now, uh, none of this is possible with uh, without your help. But um, basically, the the film started. I can kind of speak to mm-hmm. how it started with Delvon. Um, well, at first, I was writing the film at the like back of buses, 
plane rides um, this year. So I finished the script, and I brought the script to Nick because uh, Nick owns his own company, Eightfold Marketing, um, real successful, like 18 regional commercials, uh, really high uh, production value. So I, I go to those guys, and you know I got Nick on board, I got his team on board, and uh, you know the next step was uh, getting Delvon on board. Uh, talked to Delvon, he was excited about the film. And uh, it, it does speak a little bit to his life. Um, the film's about a former college basketball player who uh, gets hurt and uh, kind of said, just a life without a backup plan. So um, as you know, you guys know, uh, you know it's a pretty uh, you know, relevant topic today um, with uh, players getting hurt and uh, you know that kind of that next path in life. But also just speaks to anybody going through a crossroads in their life. So um, you know, we think this is an impactful film that we intend to uh, give to nonprofits and. Uh, you know, distribute uh, to um, you know pe- really help people. So uh, you know, we really need uh, Spartan Nation to come through and help us out here. And uh, you know, we're looking forward to making the film. We're talking with Keenan Wetzel, Michigan State basketball player and director of this new short film, The Cager, uh, featuring Delvon Rowe, a former Michigan State basketball player. So there's a lot of connection uh, about an athlete being injured in college, college basketball in this instance, and you mentioned it, Keenan, of what is life after basketball. And I want to ask you, did you have Delvon in mind before you were writing the film, or did it just all play out that way? Yes and no. Um, The the film was going to happen with with or without Delvon. Um, Certainly I wanted him to play the role because he has familiarity with the main character. Um, So I certainly wanted him. But it was going to happen either way, and uh, when I talked to him, we had talked previously when he was actually at school that we wanted to work together because he was an actor and I was a writer-director even three years ago when he was here. So when I reached out to him, he was excited about the project, and I think he started to see um, the momentum building. We started getting some media coverage, and uh, you know, some funding started to happen. He saw how professional the uh, production was going to be, and he was excited about it. And he's worked on, like like you said, he's worked on some big uh, big things like... Geico commercial, Taco Bell commercial. Uh, he's been in two feature-length films. He's a SAG-certified actor. So for a 22-year-old director and uh, you know some guys right out of college to be working with a uh, you know, actor like him, we're pretty excited about it. Keenan, let me ask you this. So you mentioned you've had some conversations with Delvon Rowe. It's kind of a two-part question. How many times have you spoke to Delvon since writing the film? And going forward, you mentioned how excited he was. Is there a contingency plan with this film if and in fact you do not reach that fundraising goal, well, um, you know we we've spoken quite a bit, um, okay. and uh, you know we plan on doing a lot of like Skype calls and that stuff when mm-hmm. we start doing reads and whatnot. Um, but Delvon's read the script; he's had some input on the script. Um, but he's been he's been he's been involved, and you know he's changed his uh, Twitter profile picture to the Cager. He's excited about it. It's you know it's it's his first leading role as well. If the film's made, you know we think it's gonna. Uh, running film festivals, uh, hopefully some really big name film festivals can be good for his career as well. So, um, you know, as far as the contingent continuity plan, uh, there's not really. I mean, this is this is what we're trying to do. So you're I mean, all in. We're all in. Everybody's we're all in. And, and like Nick said, we you know, you know, if we don't reach the goal, uh, you know, by the June 11th or uh, July 11th, I mean, we'll seek other funding. You know, it's yeah. we're gonna. Um, but that's really our that really is our deadline because we have to shoot the film um, this summer by August. So you mentioned the roles that you envisioned for Delvon. You you wrote this film. You're going to direct this film, hopefully. Now we have Nick sitting here to my right, your left. And where did Nick kind of play into this whole process of making the Cager uh, hopefully a reality? Sure, um, I would just say that, uh, like I said previously, um, you know. You know, I was just the writer-director. I had a script. So I brought that to Nick. And Nick was able to then uh, think of a plan. And we wrote a business plan real early on uh, and then pitched it to some of his guys. And then we actually got another production company, Rumor Production, uh, involved. Uh, they made a feature-length film called Summerborn um, last year. So um, they're also also Michigan State uh, alumni. So, um, you know, getting Nick involved was uh, extremely important. I think you agree, Nick. You think it was? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Keenan came to me, you know, with this script. And I, as a producer, I see, all right, is this feasible? Are we? Is it a marketable script? Will we be able to get donors? Will we be able to actually execute on this? You know, with, with my background, I have many people approach me for creative projects. But I look at it, all, all of them like a business, opportunity cost. Will we be able to execute? And I really felt with Keenan's background in film, his script, his uh, and his ability to, um, to lead it lead it lead his crew i thought this was a project that we should you know we 
I would be honored to be involved in. So essentially, I hired on Rumor Production, which is an MSU-founded production company out of the Detroit area. They just finished uh, their feature, Some Some Are Born. And so essentially, we brought them on board, began storyboarding throughout the business proposal, laid out our marketing campaign for the Kickstarter, and that kind of lays where we're at today. Right now, we just have over $5,000 funded towards our $25,000, and the Kickstarter does end on July 11th. Um, You know, one big part about why this film, I thought, was going to be marketable is the fact that, in my eyes, it's a socially responsible investment. You're not just giving to a project that is all MSU-related. I mean, almost 98% of everybody's involved in the project is uh, attends Michigan State or is a graduate. Um, aside from that point, the film speaks to anybody that has a had a large obstacle in their life. Um, in the film, the the lead character, which would be Delvon, uh, um, his character name was Wesley. He gets injured in college and has a family and has this point in life. Does he stay with his family? Does he leave this family? So this film speaks to any organizations. We're talking really closely with um, Parents Without Partners, a national organization that that supports single parents which in this in this film uh you know the lead character lead character is and um you know we're able to take this film with all the donations ac- execute the film and then distribute it across the country to nonprofit organizations to any organization that wants to share this positive message about the film so any donation really is huge and it's really supporting a great cause this isn't just a um you know a student film msu oriented film it actually is communicating a really strong positive message about you know overcoming obstacles in life and family is the most important thing we're talking with keenan wetzel a michigan state basketball player writer director of the film the cager his producer nick starhersky and one more question for you nick before i flip it to my panelists here you mentioned um how great of an investment this is how can the msu student body really the msu alumni the msu community how can they get involved into making this film a reality um, very simple. I mean, we're on every social media platform. Uh, if you know, go on Facebook, search the Cager, Twitter at the Cager Film. Um, if you even go on Kickstarter, which I mentioned before, is a platform for bringing creative projects to life. If you go to kickstarter.com search the cager then you'll see our project and we're accepting donations for as small as one dollar up to executive producer spots if anybody wants to throw out uh, throw out twenty five thousand dollars just hinting at it but um you know really though if you just search the cager on facebook kickstarter the cager film on twitter you can find our kickstarter page donate just one dollar is greatly appreciated um the more backers we have the more publicity the kickstarter gets so um to get involved in the film very simple just go online look it up and and uh, you know we'll we'll give you a Twitter shout out for every dollar that you give. It'll be you know really appreciated. Keenan, I want to throw it back to you. Um, could you have ever seen yourself writing, directing, and producing your own film while playing basketball at a Big Ten school? Well, I, honestly, the first part is probably probably more uh, more realistic at one point. You know, the, just the film part. Um, but you know, I just kind of worked my way to be able to play basketball here, and just kind of took a real roundabout way to get asked on the team, and. Um, you know, when that happened, um, I've always been in the film since probably in the fifth, sixth grade, my parents will tell you. So um, that I knew I was going to school for, and I knew I was going to play basketball, um, but I didn't know I'd be here, uh, and I didn't know that I'd be making a film before my senior year. <laughs> and that's incredible. And, you know, this story has been told multiple times. It can relate to many athletes, you know, an uh, injured player, and it's career-ending. So what makes your story different than those? Sure. Well, my uh, the film that we're trying to uh, make um, – there, it's it's not as black and white. It's not as um, bad guy, good guy. Um, you know, Wes, uh, the main character. Uh, you might not like him at first, and you might have, um, and you might think, well, why is he such a jerk? And uh, but also, he's in in the story. He meets a character um, along the way that kind of changed his life, a stranger. And um, you know, that character is kind of left in the imagination, and he's not um, he's not necessarily um, you know real or fake or whatever you want to say. So. Um, you know, there's a spirituality uh, aspect to our film as well, and there's, uh, you know, obviously strong values in family, and I think uh, those two factors are what kind of make it different. You know, I would say that's a perfect segue to my question. I was reading earlier, you like dark comedies, realism, surrealism. Tell me, what kind of genre are, you know, is the audience expecting from this film? Well, I think most uh, of the audience are going to expect a, um, you know, a drama. Uh, about a foreign basketball player, probably basketball scenes, but that's not necessarily what we're we're looking to do here. Um, this is this film is going to have some sense of surrealism. There'll be flashbacks. 
um, you know, there'll be sense of, you know, not knowing what's reality and what's, you know, kind of in the mind of the, of the main character. So it's, it's going to be a little, uh, a little bit of a trip and the, and the viewer is going to kind of be left to decide some things and not, you know, in short films, uh, you know, you don't explicitly say everything that happens in them. So, um, there's going to be a lot left to the imagination. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fun movie to watch. So if you were to choose, what would you want? your audience to be left with what would in your mindset you're watching the movie you see it up on the big screen what do you go away with from that film sure and you know what i'd, lo- I'd love to say there's one definitive answer but i don't i don't want to paint that picture for the uh for the viewer i want i want it to be left to how you feel about our character how you feel about you know i know how i feel about him i wrote him you know i know how i feel about him um but um you know at the end of the film and this kind of uh, one day journey of our character um you know, you're not really going to know what route he's going to take in life, mm. you know, but you're going to, he's going to have clearly had a moment of, of change, at least, at least question, a moment of question. That's great. I, I personally have a lot of acting experience. I acted a lot in high school, competitively, uncompetitively, main stage, all that jazz. My question for you, what are you looking for from your actors? What do you want the most out of Delvin himself? What, what, what would really just bring the movie to life? Well, I think uh, first to speak about the actors is we, we plan on filming it in a way um, where we like to set 360 and the actors can really work within their environment. Um, you know, I, I'm heavily inspired by like Eliza Kazan and, uh, you know, in the way, you know, a streetcar named Desire and they, w- the way they brought reality. So, um, you know, I, I like I like real acting. You know, I don't I like things to be amped up. Um, I want there to be drama. You know, I want there to be um you know, I want it to, I want it to feel real. I want it to feel gritty. So uh, I'm going to give my actors a lot of you know freedom to work within that space and uh, and try to catch that organic moment. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh. So, Keenan, let me ask you this. Uh, we were kind of talking this before we went on air um, about Isaiah Austin and this situation. I'm just curious to know what your thoughts. Obviously, an NBA draft prospect really pulled out of all the combine, whatever. Long story short, diagnosed with a genetic, a career-ending genetic disorder, Marfan syndrome, and I think it's quite ironic that some news like this would break in the light of you know what you're bringing up in this film. So, you know, seeing your connection with with your movie and the situation with Isaiah Austin, I'm curious to know what your thoughts about such a genetic disorder and what the life is after basketball. Well, you you are right. And our, at first, you know, just prayers out to uh, Isaiah Austin. Um, I actually have a lot of teammates that know him personally. Wow. And uh, they were really hurt when they saw that um, because you can't imagine just this moment. And his is bigger than just a uh, basketball bite. It's more than a knee injury. It's more than an ankle injury. You know, he's got something he doesn't have to deal with the rest of his life. Um, so, But still, he's at that moment that we speak to in the film of uh, what do you do next when you've put 19 years of your life primarily into one thing. Everything else is... Uh, basically secondary. You've been told since you're 12 years old that you're going to play in the NBA, you're going to make money, you're going to help your family out. Everyone's counting on you. So, um, you know, our film speaks to kind of uh, the reality of like a five years later situation where, um, you know, you're not as successful. Things are not handed to you. And, uh, you know, um, Isaiah Austin seems like a really smart guy and he's, you know, I'm sure he's going to do well, um, but he's going to have to kind of reevaluate what he wants to do and what's going to give him meaning in life. So, uh you know, that's what our character deals with. And, uh, you know, it's not about money. It's not about fame in our film. It's just about, um, you know, it's just about, uh, you know, uh, you're finding meaning. And in, 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 in our film, we speak to, like, family. And I want to chirp in, too. And, you know, what we're going to do with this film, we're not looking for a distribution deal, which some people think are crazy. This film isn't about gaining profit at the end of it. What we want to do with this film is distribute to people like Isaiah that, you know, will will actually watch this film and be impacted by it. The I, I don't want to speak for Keenan, but, you know, you'd ask the question, what do you want the audience to walk away with? And, you know, in my eyes, I'll speak for the film, you know, the importance of family, the importance of seeing what should come first. And, and I think that's something that, you know, we'll be able to do once we distribute this film to nonprofits for people who are in that situation that realize five years down the road we're not you're not going to the NBA you're not going to even if it's not just sports related you're not going to be doing something that you've planned your whole life for and how do you approach that situation um, you know creativity can solve anything and in a film like this if shown to the correct group of people could really inspire them and pull them out of that rock bottom position in life and get you know show them an informational video they'll zone out they'll be on Twitter before you know it but show them an, an engage 
engaging short film that speaks specifically to their situation. That's what this film's about. That's what we're trying to make this for is distribute to people who will gain from it. And uh, that's more than money. There's some pretty real world stuff here on the pack this evening, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the pack, Keenan and Nick will still be with us in the studio. We'll talk a little Michigan State basketball. We'll continue to talk about their film, The Cager. Stay with us here on 88.9 WDBM. You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. All the gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pack. That is right. We're back on the pack. Fino alongside, taking you all the way to the top of the hour here in 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Uh, numbers always to call in. 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to call in and brace a Spartan debate with us or have a couple questions for Nick and Keenan to answer about their film, The Cager. So we have Nick and uh, Keenan both here in studio with us this evening. We are very lucky that they are promoting such a great film featuring uh, former Michigan State basketball player Delvon Rowe. But I have a question for each one of you. And you guys, and then Nick, I think you alluded to this before we hit the break, and it was kind of talking about what is the goal of this film? Is it making money? Is it making it big in Hollywood? But to me, it seems like there is a bigger goal than just a financial gain here. So I'm curious to know, and I'm going to ask both of you, what is the goal of making this film a reality? Oh, I just want to speak in. There is no financial gain. Um, Keenan himself is not taking any salary from this profit. We're basically just covering hard costs, expenses, equipment, food. Um, you know, some crew we do have to pay for. So essentially, there is no there is no monetary value profit in this in this film at all. It's specifically to speak out for the message that we're trying to you know share with the world and and also create a inspiring film and pursue our passion. I mean, I, I'd be lying to say if this wasn't a piece that we want to do for our own portfolio to to work with. So, I mean, that, that is the honest truth. We're doing this to share the message, you know, um, utilize our education and experience we've gained at Michigan State and, uh, and then take that to the next level. And like I had said before, you know, really to just be able to distribute this film across the country within Michigan State around this community for the positive message that it promotes. You know, often you find Hollywood films and, you know, uh, you get big record or you get big deals with uh, production companies. You have to put this in because sex sells or et cetera. We're not going going for that all we're speaking specifically to our message we're speaking specifically to the power of family to you know education to athletics um and uh you know we're really excited about it keenan let me ask you what is um nick alluded to his goal what is your goal for the film i i know it's not a financial thing nick did say you're not taking a salary so a lot of people will have to ask you and that are curious what are you doing this for well, I think Nick alluded to it, and um, I think that's the reason I wrote the film um, to uh, at the beginning because I wanted to use basketball as a kind of um, undertone, um, you know, a stepping stone to uh, first of all start my career, but also send this positive message, um, you know. And, I, and I'm not—I'd be lying too if I said this wasn't going to be a very creative film. Um, you know, we we uh, intend to shoot this in a, a cinematic way. The actually the style of the film, uh, the characters will be really well dressed. Uh, even though they're uh, not necessarily well to do, because I've always been interested in this kind of like uh, 40s and 50s style where these men, they dressed really well, they wore hats um, because they kept up appearances even though they weren't, uh, you know, the richest. And that's kind of Wesley Ray's character. I think, uh, you know, he feels better, um, you know, about himself when he's dressed. He feels he feels like he's better than the situation he's in. So, you know, I want people to, you know, get this strong message, but this isn't a cheesy film. This is going to be gritty. This is going to be real. It's going to be creative, and it's going to it's going to feel like it's going to feel like you're in a movie theater. It's going to look cinematic, and it's just going to be a short film. 
We're talking with Keenan Wetzel, Michigan State basketball player, writer, and director of the um, the short film The Cager. And we have his producer alongside with in studio, uh, Nick Sarchersky, with us as well. So, so Keenan, this is your first kind of big production and your first project to say. So being a student athlete, at what point did you shift your focus from playing to solidifying a future career? Well, I don't think it's shifted yet, to be <laughs> honest with you. I, I, I don't I don't pretend like, uh, you know, I'm not you know, having two days in basketball. Uh, it's just I've, I've learned to kind of manage my time better. I, I don't waste any time in the day. I mean, Nick and I are going to shoot a video after this for an update for our Kickstarter, and then we're going to regroup on some meeting for funding. I mean, we're working until 10, 11 at night, getting up at 6.30. So, you know, I had two-day basketball. Nick's working all day with his uh, startup pro- uh, marketing company. So it's just not wasting time during the day. I, I haven't shifted focus either way. You can kind of do everything and uh, be engaged in everything. You just have to uh, manage your time well. And that being said, how hard is it to balance all of that? You know, it's uh, it's it's hard. It's tricky. But like I said, um, you know, there's enough hours in the day. I, I know somebody said that, you know, all these famous artists and, uh, you know, Albert Einstein, all these famous people, they all have the same hours in the day that we all do. It's just about not wasting time, uh, being on schedule. I think that's really something I've improved on is keeping a schedule. And, uh, you know, Nick stays on me about things. And then the basketball coaches stay on me about things. And it just works out perfect. Speaking of the basketball coaches staying on you about things, Tom Izzo, what kind of you know inspiration does he instill upon you with this endeavor as well as playing basketball for him? Well, yeah, I, I'll speak to this endeavor first. Um, you know, I, when I first told him, he was pumped up about it. I hmm. love he loved it. He was excited about it. Uh, he's trying to help as much as he can. Uh, you know, y- you get really get to learn leadership, especially for a, a director. Uh, you know, learning how to direct. You can learn leadership from. You know anybody that leads anything, and, and Coach Izzo has a amazing way of leading people and uh, exciting people and pushing and demanding the most out of people. So um, I really couldn't have picked a better thing to learn how to become a director. Uh, you know, because you have to be, you, you have to have, you have, you have to have your vision, and people are going to question your vision. It's the same thing in coaching. The people are always going to question you, but you have to be confident about it, and you have to inspire others. So I think Coach Izzo has has done that for me. So for both of you guys, what kind of ethics do you guys follow when it comes to leadership and when it comes to pushing this film? What is What keeps you going and what do you try to instill in everybody that you're working with? Um, overall, I mean, my personal thing, which I learned from a great mentor of mine, was just as simple as this passion and principles. So you stick to your passion, you'll go far, you stick to your principles, whether you're you know, leading a team, leading a film, or leading your own company, or uh, even just a study group. It's you know, stick to your passions, what you believe in, uh, make sure that you know, they're uh, morally, morally on par. And with that, um, you know, stick to your principles, what you, you know, what you believe in. And I think that goes a really long way. Um, like Keenan said, you know, when you're, when you're you're doing something something different when you're changing things up someone's going to doubt you they're going to question you but if you really believe in your vision like we do with this film if we really believe in the message we really believe in the execution we know we can get it done we're going to push it as hard as possible um so you know i think it comes down to your passion and principle sticking to them being firm to them and you know like keenan said as well you know utilizing all 24 hours in the day so my last question for you guys uh probably more towards keenan the name the cager where did it come from why is it called the cager Sure. Uh, well, actually, a long time ago, they used to call basketball players cagers because they actually played behind the net. Right. Um, and so uh, in this film, Wesley, when he starts every day at a park zoo looking for work cause he's unemployed, and he, 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 he's, he's sitting at a park bench in a zoo, and at the beginning you see these animals behind these cages, and it, it kind of, um, you know, it's uh, a correlation with Wesley the character because he's, uh, you know, he feels like he's this unbelievable animal like a tiger or something but he's being kind of trapped within his family scenario so uh, that's the correlation uh you know he, he he feels like he's trapped in this family situation he can't control it he was meant for bigger and better things uh like a tiger in a you know a zoo could feel like so uh that's the correlation yeah yeah keenan um last question for both of you really before uh we let you go here in the pact Kenan, I got to ask you this um, because Austin kind of mentioned about where Coach Izzo stands about this endeavor and this this great short film that you're promoting. Where do your your you know your teammates feel where you stand about you know playing basketball, continuing your career there, or even you know going for your future goals with this director, film writer, with the show and this movie that you have? You know, where do your teammates stand in all this? Oh, my teammates have been great. I think they realize that this is my NBA. Uh, this short film, I've been using the analogy that it's it's basically my draft camp, uh, you know, to show 
you know, my skills, that skills with my team and, and, and the people working with me. So uh, they understand that I'm going for a big dream just like they are. Uh, you know, the NBA might not be possible for me, uh, you know, uh, and maybe overseas basketball or whatever else it may be. But, um, you know, they've been really supportive and they, they, they're doing as much as they can within reason and within the rules. So um, they're all pumped up about it. And I think they're all going to be excited to see it. And hopefully they can all come to premiere once we make the money. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Nick, just last question really for our listeners. I know you mentioned it kind of earlier in the show, but how can our listeners get involved and make this movie a reality? Yeah, like I said before, you know, you can go on to Facebook, search The Cager. You can go on to uh, Twitter, at The Cager Film. And as well as Kickstarter, I suggest that's the easiest route. Go to kickstarter.com and simply search The Cager. You'll learn all about the film. Um, like we'd say to before, it's a former college basketball star who struggles to adjust to a life without a backup plan. It's a, it's a short film that speaks to a socially responsible message about family, commitment, um, education. And this is a short film that's really going to help a lot of people we will distribute to nonprofits. we're going to get this across the across the country but we need your help at this point to make it possible um july 11th our funding ends on kickstarter if we don't reach the twenty five thousand dollars, even if we're just barely short all the money's returned to the donors so at that at on that note if anybody wants to reach out share the project um promote it social media or even uh contribute a little bit it'd be greatly appreciated even a dollar goes a really long way in this in this project some pretty unreal stuff here on the pack this evening we just want to thank Nick Sturcherski, the producer of the Cager film and Michigan State basketball player, the writer, the director of this film, the Cager. Guys, both of you, thank you for spending some time here on The Pact and just getting the word out of the film. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. for Absolutely, thank us. you. And as always, go green. Yeah, go white. And when we come back here on The Pact, we'll be talking some World Cup stuff. We'll be embracing the Spartan debate. We promise John Yells does have a mic and he will be speaking. So feel free. Stay with us here on 88.9 FM WDBM East Lansing. Listening to the Pact on 88.9 FM WDBM East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right, Fino. We're back here on the pact, and what an unbelievable first half hour of the pact. Honestly, one of my most memorable and favorite half hours ever hosting the show. We had Keenan Wetzel here in studio. We had Nick Sturchersky in studio. Uh, Keenan Wetzel, the Michigan State walk-on basketball player, who still has one year of eligibility left, as I keep alluding to this on the show, but he does have one year left, so Spartan fans, hopefully he's not going away anytime soon. Uh, and we, He is the writer and director of this film, The Cager, that he wrote. And we also had his producer, Nick Sertchersky, uh here in studio with us. And you can tell that both of these two guys, Faith, are really committed to making this film happen. It's just incredible to talk to them and actually get their input about all the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going into this project. And I'm really excited to see this project come to life, and especially for the East Lansing community and uh, just the team and everything. Let me say this, Goody, with Isaiah Austin being diagnosed with Marfan syndrome, a genetic career-ending genetic disorder, it brings this full circle of what Keenan was saying, what life is 
after basketball. Hopefully Isaiah sees this film and understands what's ahead of him in life. You know, I, what I loved about Keenan and Nick as well is that they're, they have a goal beyond cinematic purposes. And, and that's the biggest part is they have a goal to instill a message upon their audience. And, you know, for me in my entire life, that's what I've been instilled. And I really love that. I really did. It's pretty, uh, pretty, like I mentioned before, Faith, some pretty unworldly stuff here on the pack uh, this evening. Feel free to connect on social media um, at MSU Impact Sports. Our very own communication coach, Jordan Yagela, is answering all your tweets. So, Jordan, special shout-out from the basement of Holden Hall. Thank you for everything you do here. Uh, but I got to – with that being said, as much as I love talking the film, um, I'll show there is a big discussion. And there's actually, I would argue, the biggest sporting event in the world, and it's the World Cup. And I totally agree with 18.2 million people watching on ESPN, the USA-Portugal match. 6.5 million people watching on Espanol-Spanish Univision. So 24.7 million people total faith watch the USA-Portugal match, the most ever watched U.S. soccer match. And that competes with other sports, too. Like, I was looking up a little stats from the other sports. 6 million for Game 5 in Stanley Cup Finals. And so FIFA is exceeding that by large amounts. And uh, 17.9 in the NBA Finals. So, you know, the World Cup is up there. And whoever says that, you know, soccer is not going to happen, it's not going to, people aren't going to be excited about it, it's happening. You know, it really is coming to fruition in America. And, it, you know, it hasn't been the biggest sport around here. And we all know that. The listeners know what that. What do you mean here, Michi- mid-Michigan area? Mid-Michigan, all the raw, you know, all along the U.S., honestly. But uh, during the U.S. game U.S. game, right afterwards, I was actually working a valet job for Star Trek's uh, entertainment. Ooh. And these kids were outside playing soccer. And, you know, usually they're tossing around a football, you know, shooting a puck into a net. But, you know, these guys were kicking around the soccer ball. It's bringing a community of soccer to America. I really love that. And if you look from the 2010 World Cup, uh, the U.S. game against England, since then, um, the games have been up 17% in viewers, which is incredible. And like you said, people are more excited about it. You know, Mm -hmm. it comes around every four years, but people get pumped about the U.S. playing in this tournament. Especially going into the tournament, a lot of people didn't have big expectations, including you know we all we us all us right yes. here at the table. We didn't have big expectations for the United States, and now it's coming down to this game against Germany. It's coming down to a win or a draw, a potential loss, goal differentials, and everybody's getting into it. That's what I like to see. You know, three games fully coming into play. Well, we'll talk about that USA Germany game. We'll preview it here in a little bit on the show. But guys, I want to just make a note, and I know we're seeing record viewing numbers. Millions of people are watching the World Cup, the United States match more so. But I just want to make a point. 2018, where's the World Cup going to be? Russia. 2022, where's the World Cup going to hopefully be? Qatar. The point is, you know, in 2018 and 2022, it's no, you don't need to be a genie at this point. You don't need to be a genius to figure this out. The next two World Cups will not, and I'm saying this now, will not have the same viewership as this World Cup in Brazil. Because when you look at it, people watching in Los Angeles, you look at Russia, Russia's seven, eight hours ahead from the United, from East Coast, from New York City, from Detroit. Ten hours, realistically, some parts of the World Cup will be played ahead of Los Angeles. Think about the timing of those games. Qatar is another disaster for all reasons, but for this reason we'll talk about look timing wise it will be a disaster so i just want to make the note that in 2018 and 2022 when the world cup viewership is down in the united states because a hundred percent it takes someone that knows nothing about the game to understand and realize that you know the viewership will be down but a very important point i want to make and statement a very bold one i'll make is that when the viewership is down, it is not because a disinterest and lack of interest in the game or a decreased popu- um, you know, just a decreased popularity of the sport. That's not going to be the case. Soccer has hockey stick growth. More kids are playing soccer. More people are watching soccer, and they care. Not just every four years. You look now in two years, in 2016, Copa America, which is the tournament. I know we have the Gold Cup here in CONCACAF. 
Copa America is the South American nation's Euro, per se. Everyone knows about UEFA's Euro, which is the World Cup of Europe, essentially. Mm -hmm. You have the Gold Cup, which is the World Cup of North and South and Caribbean Football Association soccer. Mm -hmm. But when you have South America, they have their Copa. The United States is hosting this inaugural, or not, I'm not saying inaugural, the centennial version of this tournament. Inaugural is United States participation. I just want to make the point that United States soccer is growing. It's going to grow. It is not a fad. And I just want to say again and again, I'll reiterate over and over until, hey, Fino, shut up. You're annoying. Soccer is here. <laughs> I don't to think st- we'll say that to you. <laughs> Maybe not you guys, but some people listening on the show. Because, yeah. Faith, there's a lot of reluctance to soccer, whether it's here to stay. It's a fad. Guess what? Get real. Tough. It's not a fad. It's here to stay. And a lot of people, I mean, I've heard it from other, you know, specialists in sports, but, you know, they'll say, oh, soccer, all they're doing is flapping around. What is it to this game? But honestly, it is so exciting. It's exciting. Their skill set that you could not even imagine to have in a million years. Oh, absolutely. The endurance that they have when they're laying on the field at the end of the game and they just can't move. They actually can't move. There isn't changes. There aren't, you know, sign in, sign out like there is in basketball, you know, hockey you're taking 40 second shifts in soccer you're playing for 65 minutes straight with a halftime in between and for maybe, some players. maybe even a and water may- break the first water break in world cup history it's incredible pretty unbelievable stuff but we have a caller on the line here um a good friend of mine um i did spend class with him as well he is the founder of msu red cedar rowdies michigan state student section for uh, men's soccer and we welcome him to the show luke uh welcome to the pact Fino, Fino, preacher man. Hey, Luke, that's what, all I gotta say. Ah, uh, thanks, Luke. Hey, what's going on? What do you got for us? Ah, uh, you know, last night I was driving home. Mm-hmm. It was it was a rough drive back. Oh, you tell uh, me. Last night felt like a loss. I'll be honest, it felt like a loss. Yeah, but today it felt like a win. Uh, the U.S. played one of the best games ever in the World Cup, in my opinion. Uh, outside of the thirty seconds at the start and thirty seconds at the end, I thought we played magnificent. I, I agree. Exciting to watch. I'm I'm excited to see what they do in Germany, uh, and I do want to make a point, uh, especially for people who don't necessarily watch a lot of soccer. It was not Michael Bradley's fault that we can. No, it was not. I know, know people were saying that, but I was just watching the replay. Alexi Lalas was breaking it down. There was five defenders all watching Ronaldo. Ball watching uh, at the end. It was it was ball watching, and that's going to happen. But great game, amazing finish. Uh, not the best. But this is a great position. I'm excited to see. So I know you guys are going to preview the game later, but I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah. Go USA. Yeah, go, go, USA. Luke, thanks so much for the call. We really appreciate it. And the key thing here that I want to bring up that kind of Luke brought up was a lot of people said it was – it's not Michael Bradley's fault. And I, I 100% agree with them. It is not Michael Bradley's fault. But guess what? You know what I heard? I heard some ridiculous comments today, Faith. I heard that it was Graham Zussi's fault. Can you believe that? Because he walked off the pitch so slowly that it was only going to be four minutes of added time in stoppage time. But that the fact that Graham Zussi walked off the pitch so slowly in his substitution, they, the fourth official added another minute. I think that's ludicrous. That if you want to blame the game on Graham Zussi, that's a joke. That's a total joke. And I'm just need to get this off my chest. I'm going to agree with Luke. That is the greatest performance, forget ever, in a World Cup. I think that's the greatest performance I've ever seen at the United States. What Jurgen Klinsmann is doing for the United States tactically with their development and overall just with the team is unbelievable. He's the savior. I will go as far as say, Goody, he is the savior of U.S. soccer. So my question to you, Fino, at the beginning of all this, you were so upset with Jurgen Klinsmann about not bringing Landon Donovan on the team. You know, now, after we have two games into the World Cup, what are your feelings towards Klinsmann? That's a great question, Goody, and I'm going to answer it like this. Everything Jurgen Klinsmann touches goes to gold. He brings in, I question the fact that why are you bringing in Whoa. Well, yeah, because listen. <laughs> Turns wh- to gold. It's it's really true. You bring in a DeAndre Yedlin in, who is who is DeAndre Yedlin? Well, he obviously plays for the Sounders in a, here in MLS. Mm-hmm. But the thing with DeAndre Yedlin is he comes in this game, he essentially dominates the game. Fresh legs, makes great ball. He is the reason why that ball is thrown into the box initially that Don, or I'm sorry, Donovan Dempsey, I wish it was Donovan, Dempsey <laughs> has the opportunity to score. Okay, you bring in Chris Wondolowski in as a substitution. I agree with Wando being on the team, but you bring in Wondolowski on the team. You bring him on the pitch late in that game. He controls the ball, gets up to tick-tock minutes off the time and off the clock. That's key. Everything Jurgen Klinsmann and Taylor Twelman said this on ESPN's broadcast. 
He said, you know, I want to criticize Jurgen Klinsmann, but I can't because everything Jurgen Klinsmann has done has been correct. The only thing I disagree with Jurgen Klinsmann thus far is what is the purpose of Brad Davis thus far? He hasn't played a game. I believe he'll play in the Germany game. But why is Brad Davis on this roster? I think that should be Landon's spot. So Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, my question to you is who is his biggest impact player? Who is helping him out the most? On the pitch right now for you? Yes. Well, you, I would immediately say it's Clint Dempsey because Clint Dempsey is very, is, is resilience and fortitude has been second to none. I want to get John Yale's thoughts on this in a second. But the thing with Clint Dempsey is you're playing with the broken nose. That is extremely painful. He couldn't even breathe in that match because he had so much dried up blood, whatever. I don't want to gross out the listener here, but he yeah. said he couldn't breathe through his, his nostrils yeah. at all during that first game against Ghana. And they still won. Unbelievable effort, resilient effort. But really, because Michael Bradley's been disappointing, I'm going to go ahead and say I think Jermaine Jones and Kyle Beckerman, these two defensive midfielders, center defensive mids, have been absolutely I have Jermaine ex- Jones as well. He's exceptional. Absolutely. Their play, Yales, has been absolutely exceptional. His ball movement has been exceptional, Forget and the- he is doing a great job defensively as well. It's unbelievable. And he was very injured in that 2010 World Cup in South Africa. But seeing what he has done... Yales and that goal simply world class late and early in the 60th minute or whatever it was it was like 63rd minute simply world class John and you know what I was super critical uh, critical of Jurgen Klinsmann but the thing about Jurgen is I still dub him as a savior of U.S. soccer and that's why I have a Jurgen Klinsmann jersey because to this day if it wasn't for Jurgen Klinsmann I do not know where the United States would be so then you throw all that Donovan stuff out the window no because no not at all because Brad Davis has yet to play 30 seconds in this World Cup and I think Clint Dempsey is great, but you pair him up with Donovan, they're exceptional up top. And Clint Dempsey has matured. Donovan is world-class. Brad Davis has done nothing. Because you bring in Brad Davis to take set pieces, correct? But it seems like Graham Zussi's doing that. So if is going to be your set piece guy, fine. Then why is Brad Davis on this roster when it should be Landon Donovan? Exactly. You're shrugging your you're, you're shrugging your shoulders and you're exactly <laughs> you're just like, I don't my point. know. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Right. But I'm not gonna, you know, moan about okay, why are they why is he doing this? Because they're winning, they're getting points. And in this Germany, and this is where I'm gonna bring up Faith, is this Germany game. Is you know, I'm curious to know what you think personally. I think it's gonna be a draw. Scoreless draw, zero zero. I don't think it's gonna be a scoreless draw. It, it's gonna draw. be scoreless. Because they're just gonna kick the ball around. And people are talking about, oh, is this a conspiracy theory? Landon Donovan said this on ESPN. It's not a conspiracy theory at all. Because they're just out there playing smart soccer. Why get injured for the round of sixteen elimination round? Why get yellow cards to stack up yellow card accumulation? Which mm-hmm. you now know Jermaine Jones is carrying yellow card. He absolutely cannot get a yellow card against Germany, or you're without him in that match, hopefully in the round of 16 against a Belgium or an Algeria-Russia team. So, Fino, you brought up the conspiracy theory, and I completely disagree that people are saying it's conspiracy theory. Like you said, Donovan even said on ESPN, it is playing smart. You're playing smart Because at that point, if they draw, which I think it'll be a one-to-one draw, when it, or if it draws, (laughs) both of these teams (laughs) will advance. You know, depending on what happens, you know, with the other two teams. It's a win-win situation. But, yeah, and granted, Germany would be ahead of everybody in this group just because of um, scored, the you know differentials. But still, both of these teams would advance into the the next round. It's not even in faith. You mention it, and it's so accurate. It's not even a conspiracy thing, Goody. It's not. It's just playing smart soccer, like Faith mentioned. Why would I go out there and get injured? You mean you're already playing pretty injured? You right. have Matt Beasler who cramped up again. Right. In the second game, U.S. second game, they're in a very short turnaround. Jurgen Klinsmann said it at the end of the match. This World Cup caters to the favorites. We're the underdog. Klinsman is the greatest motivator I've ever seen out of a manager. Mm-hmm. Ever. And I swear to God, he is one of the best motivators I've ever seen. Because he loves that underdog role and embrace it. Luke mentioned it when he called the show, Goody. This is one of the greatest performances I've seen at a U.S. soccer team in a World Cup. So do you think the U.S. soccer team is looking in advance now? Against Belgium, against Algeria. What do you think could potentially happen here. Would they rather play Belgium? Would they rather play Algeria? Are you kidding me? They'd rather play they'd rather play Algeria in a second. Well, absolutely, but, but that would entail a win. That. Bro, that, would enta- not- that would entail a win. I agree, but you know what? They're not thinking about that because you know what? When I saw that Portugal match, the United States can beat anyone. Why not them? Why not them? I mean, that game literally came down the last, what, 20 seconds? The Portugal game? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they can beat anyone, why wouldn't they go and try to beat Germany to be able to play an easier Algeria team and 
advance. Goody, if United States beats Portugal and they have six points and they're sitting at the top of the group, it's a totally different situation. No one will be talking about that Germany game as a, ooh, conspiracy. United States will be going into that game, let's hopefully draw with Germany because if we draw them, who cares? We're top of the group and we're most likely playing Algeria. That scary part about that group is everyone thought Russia would be going through in that group with Belgium. So did I, Faith. I thought mm-hmm. Russia was going to go. The Russians And are... we all thought Spain and England would advance, but you know, everything is, <laughs> everything, everything it's is up in the NCAA air right tournament. now. Exactly. This has been a wild World Cup. There's no doubt about it. But now you have Algeria sitting in that second place. Algeria can take care of business. What's the scary part about Algeria? Remember that Landon Donovan goal in 2010? Who is that against? Ooh, it's Algeria. <laughs> Yep, exactly. But my question to both of you guys, actually, and, you know, I want to get Yells in on this as well. Mm-hmm. Jose Altador, when he comes back. He's not coming back. If he comes back. He's all right. I'll, he's, I'll, he's not coming back. I'll put it like this. If he comes back, we can't just say he's not going he's not. to. He is going to. He's not. Whatever. He's traveling with the team. Okay. Regardless, my question for you guys, how far can this U.S. team advance? I said it. This United, and we'll get Yale's in on this in a second. I know we keep saying that, but how far can the United States advance? I think they can get to the quarterfinals. Top eight teams. And that's not a shot. Why not us? Why not them? That's what they're thinking in their mind. We're the underdog. No one gave us a chance to advance out of the group. Guess what? Look at the power index. The United States has a 64% chance of getting out of their group. Whoa. Yeah. Think about it, guys. Nobody would have saw it before. No one saw it. United States is proving everyone wrong. Why not us? And you know the thing is? They've gotten this far, Yale. And guess what? Michael Bradley has sucked. He's been playing terrible. And when you look at it, when he plays way better, United States will run away and they can beat a Belgium team because guess what? Hopefully they get to that round of 16 game. But guess what? Belgium doesn't look too good. They don't look like that Belgium team they faced in Cleveland and got smoked. But what about their talent? I still think they have better talent than us. And I think this whole... Does Portugal have better talent than the United States? Yeah. Of course. Why not them? Does, does Ghana have better talent than the United States? Well, doesn't it worry you the way they've won and tied these games was not... United States? Yeah. No, not at all. It's about the result. Have you... Look at... Okay, look at the Belgium. Look at what the two games Belgium has played. They've had to go deep in the 80th minute to f- score a game-winning goal. How impressed... What are you saying about Belgium? I'm, I'm not, looking at a weak Belgium. The United States can go out there and win it. I'm not saying specifically just about saying. the opponent, but I'm just saying about our team in general, just looking at us... I don't see how you can be as confident well, the, as you sound after... You're talking United States. Yes. Okay. Well, the, no, no the, the thing is I have to say about that is when I look at the United States, I don't think the thing about how they lost, how they won, how they drew, it's not about that. They're looking how they're playing right now. You're a soccer aficionado. You like the game. You love the game. And what you saw yesterday, Yales, did you not think that was a world-class performance by United States despite the last 20 seconds of the game? Yes, but we gave up that goal, and that's been our issue. We give up okay, those goals. Give, we okay, we have those bad those bad gaffes, and we give up a goal. We give up an early goal. Here's the thing with Klinsman, bro. The thing with Jurgen Klinsman is that team does not make the same mistake twice. If they if Jeff Cameron doesn't fluke that goal, let's be honest, the United States is cruising. Michael Bradley should have scored a goal. They got great opportunities. They controlled that game. Shots from distance, shots in the box. Great set pieces. Didn't take any dumb fouls. You know, United States actually made some smart fouls. Ronaldo in space, foul him. That's smart soccer. If you're not getting a card and you're getting a foul on Ronaldo, why not give a counterattack? That's the play here. United States is playing great football. And when you look at it, I think United States is on a great... I think they're on a collision course for the quarterfinals. Because if they play... If something happens in that Germany game, whatever happens, Algeria wins the group. Fine. I don't even know if that's mathematically possible. But if Algeria wins the group and they play Algeria... Everyone's going to say United States is going to the quarters. That 2002 team, they got to the quarters. Did anyone think that 2002 United States soccer team would get to the quarterfinals? No. No, no one will way. ever think they would. No <laughs> way. And that's the thing. Why not us is the mentality of the United States. And you know what? It's an awesome It's an awesome mentality, and they're rallying through. And that's why I just think, yes, they say they're thinking about Germany, but ultimately United States will play average. Germany will play average. They have nothing to lose. United States will take second place, Faith, and they'll go through to face that winner in that group. I mean, groups uh, G and H were called, you know, the groups of death. And, you know, U.S. is making them their, their way out of this group, I do think. And I think I, that could see yeah. them sitting pretty at Very the quarterfinals. Pretty. Remember Absolutely. what Landon said? He goes, let's be real. The reason why this is a group of death talking about the United States is because we're in it, meaning the United States. Landon said that on 
uh, Fox Sports 1, I believe it was. It was Grant Wall who he said it to. Or it was a quote around Fox Sports 1. I don't recall. The point is he made those comments. And the point that he made those comments was the United States is good at soccer now. It's over. The The analogy of the United States being bad, the mirage, and the whole picture that the United States is not competitive soccer is gone. But if the United States is a bad team, hypothetically, let's say they're a poor team. This is not a group of death. Everyone would be writing off Portugal, Germany, advance. Ghana's just there. Three good teams. United States is just terrible. That's the reality of the situation. I mean, the United States have shown that they can compete against the big boys, even though Portugal is not playing like they were the favorites at the beginning. They were the favorites at the beginning. And, you know, Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, Tim Howard, all these guys are playing incredibly well. Yeah. And they're going to continue to play incredibly well under a great coaching staff. And you know what, Fino, I do agree with you. At this point in the World Cup, I do see the United States advancing to that quarter. And that would be incredible for soccer in the United States, like we were talking about at the beginning of this half hour. So let me ask you this now that we're talking about, okay, it'll be great for the United States. Let's really talk about the reality of the situation. First question for all of you, including John, is do you think, yes or no question, do you think the United States will get out of this group, a.k.a. the group of death? I'm not saying about, pick whatever result in your mind about the game against Germany. United States, will they get out of this group, Faith? Yes, no doubt. Goody? Absolutely. Yales. Yeah, and I got a follow-up question for mm-hmm. everyone else, too. But I want to hear what you think, you know. They're getting out? Yeah, of course. I, I, I think United States was getting out before the Pepe suspension, before the Contrao injury. I don't care. I think United States is committed and playing great soccer. Okay. Well, how about expectations going into this tournament? Has the United States, based off these two wins, or this win and the okay. tie, have they already surpassed what we could have imagined in this group of deaths? Not yet. And if they get knocked out, if they make it to the next round, whatever happens, are they already better than we ever thought they could have been? Okay, I have an answer to that, but I'm curious to know where you stand on this, so I'm going to refollow that up before I answer your question. United States, what was your expectation for the United States? What round do you think they were going to be eliminated or... What round do you think they're going to be eliminated in? I thought they were going to get knocked out in the group stage, okay. and I was just going to be happy if they beat a Ghana no, and look no, decent against no. them. If that's, if that's my expectation. That's honest, though. No, it's not. Because if that's my expectation about U.S. soccer, honestly, I shouldn't even be a fan. I honestly thought United States could get out of this group because I think Portugal's average. And Cristiano Ronaldo said it in his post-game conference. Maybe we're just an average team. Because they are. Portugal is an average team. They never. Does, when does Portugal ever live up to the hype? They haven't. They, they haven't. never do. Not, nothing they never with Cristiano. Ne- they never do. And Cristiano is just a powder baby. Man, he's such a baby. And I always hear people go, oh, he's so good looking. Yes. But the thing is, it, what does that have to do in the impact of the game? Get me a troll. If they can score seven goals, I want that troll on my team. Period. <laughs> so what my expectations for you, John, it was the round of 16. So to answer your question, the United States has not met my expectations or they, they haven't superseded my expectations because my expectation was to get out of the group. Anything other than that is a failure. And the people that said, oh, well, United States is just packing this World Cup in for experience. And I think it says a lot that Julian Green really hasn't seen a lot of playing time, if any. Has he even played? No. No. He's you, not played. Do you think he'll play against Germany with this Dependent. average... I think it'll be the same yes. roster, but I think he'll come in early in the second half. I think, no. I think he comes on late. I think instead of Wando coming in, Julian Green comes in, because I think it's going to be a nil-nil draw. I think it's going to be a stalemate of a game. But the point is, what my expectations were for this team, it was the round of 16. So if they can get out of the round of 16 into that quarterfinals goodie, yes, that is superseding my expectations. Mm-hmm. But to answer John, no. United States has not met my expectations yet. So that's the key thing. I'm curious to know, what is your answer to John's question? I definitely didn't think they were going to get out of this group. I wow. looked at Germany. The first game they played against you know, Portugal, 4-0. to Yeah, and then they go up against Ghana, draw 2-2. to Well, Ghana felt very, very hard. But I'm, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen in this upcoming game. But now I see U.S. D- definitely getting out. Uh, I agree with Faith. I mean, I see them coming out, but I, I didn't think that they were going to so be able no to So no one escape. thought they were going to come out of the group. No, we all d- we debated this before. Well, we- the two games before, we didn't see anything worth them getting out of this group. Guys, I'm going to tell you one quick thing. The way the United States plays, they'll always, they're, not, they're like Michigan State. They're exactly like Michigan State. I'm correlating the U.S. men's national team to Michigan State University. Mm-hmm. Michigan State football, or even basketball, plays to their opponent. I'll say basketball. They play exactly the way their opponent wants to play. The U.S. men's national team plays exactly that. When they're playing Algeria, they'll play they'll play an Algeria team. They'll play like Algeria. But when they're playing Germany, they'll play like it. When they're playing Portugal, they'll play like it. Okay, so my final question to you. What is the result of this Germany game? 
I told you, nil nil, zero zero. It's a draw. Fate. I say one one. I say two two. So everyone Ooh. thinks draw Yales? Yeah, I think zero zero. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a stalemate of a game. It's gonna be a complete stalemate of a game. I don't know. I just think it's gonna be a no brainer. United States gets through this game, and that's the way it's gonna be done. So let's say the United States loses. Ghana versus Portugal. What's what's gonna happen? Oh, uh, I think it's gonna be a draw and United States is gonna go through. But yep. So that being said, we had a great show today, Faith. I thought we had an excellent show, Goody. I thought it was a great one. Great show. I just want to give a special shout out to Nick Sercherski for coming on, the producer of The Cager, Keenan Wetzel, Michigan State basketball player, and uh, the writer and the director of his film, The Cager. For everyone for listening on the pack, your host, Fino, alongside for Faith. See you later. Austin. See you guys. John Yell behind the glass. I just want to thank everyone for listening on 88.9 FM. We'll catch you next Monday. From everyone here at the pack, it's Fino signing off. You can see us next week from the basement of Holden Hall. Have a good night, everyone.